I'm Lisa Held, a food journalist and podcast host presenting Behind the Label with American Humane. Produced by Heritage Radio Network for Springer Mountain Farms, this podcast series dives into what the American Humane Certified Label really means. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This week on Meet and 3, we bring you stories about how Gen Z is different from their millennial predecessors through the lens of food. My knowledge of alcohol didn't really come from like Bud Light commercials or like Project X. Yeah, and that's my gripe with the platform as well, is that all these DIY videos, cooking videos, they're 20 seconds. What's one food item from your childhood that you wish you could have today? Dunkaroos, because they don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Although, the Dunkaroos Twitter was activated again a year ago, so it's only a matter of time. They've tweeted a couple times, it's pretty hype. Listen to Meet in 3, HRN's food news and storytelling roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Feast Meets West, the show celebrating Asian cuisine and culture, as we have conversations with the passionate people from the world of Asian food. I'm your host, Linda Liu. Today, you'll hear my conversation with Tracy and Tiffany Pham of Red Boat Fish Sauce, a beloved brand of fish sauce used by chefs and home cooks alike. It's been described as fresh tasting, vibrant, and light, and yielding an especially intense umami flavor. In 2006, Kuang Pham, a former Apple engineer, started Red Boat Fish Sauce to recreate the flavors of his childhood in Saigon. He was looking for the intensely fragrant first press fish sauce, and when he couldn't find it, he decided to make it himself. Kwong expanded a small family-run facility on the island of Phu Quoc in Vietnam. This is where he partnered with expert local fishermen and revived a centuries-old fermentation tradition using only salt and anchovies in creating his fish sauce. Tiffany and Tracy Pham grew up watching their parents grow the red boat product and business and would help pack orders as kids. After graduating college and having both pursued careers in their fields of interest, the sisters have since made it back to Red Boat to help carry on their father's legacy. Red Boat remains a family-owned and operated company to this day. Now here's my conversation with Tracy and Tiffany. Hi, Tracy and Tiffany. Thanks for joining me on the show. Hi, Linda. Hi, Linda. Great We're to be excited here. to be here. Yeah. Um, so could you first please introduce yourselves for our listeners? Okay, I can go first since I am the oldest. Our dad, <laughs> Kong Pham. <laughs> our dad, Kong Pham, is the founder of Red Boat Fish Sauce. And both Tiffy and I are working at Red Boat full time. I'm a total numbers person. I embrace being an Excel nerd, and I manage the sales and finance aspect of Red Boat. Hi, I'm Tiffany Pham. I am Tracy's sister. And for Red Boat, I am the global operations director, and this covers food safety, supply chain management, and marketing. But as a family-run business, you'll soon learn that much of our job is much more than our title. 
Of yeah, if, <laughs> if Tiffany and I need to jump in on the production line to help a big order go out, we'll, we'll gladly do it. It's a nice little break from sitting at our desk. So, Yeah, something that you guys have been doing since childhood. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, back in, I was a senior in high school. Uh, this is around, now I'm dating myself, but <laughs> this is around 2006. Our parents had come back from a trip to Vietnam and my dad just casually says, yeah, I bought a fish sauce barrel house. And oh, at the time, gosh. yeah, I thought he was going through a midlife crisis because he had a full-time job as a software engineer. And yeah. I was busy getting ready for college. You know, I had other things on my mind and I just brushed it off as one of his crazy ideas that <laughs> wouldn't really amount to anything. But every time I would come home for the weekends, he would pull me aside and just you know, bombard me with all of these questions like, Tracy, what do you think of this bottle design? What do you think of this name as, you know, the name for our fish sauce? What do you think of this color scheme? And every time we would go have dinner with our extended family, he would ask for everybody's input as well. And at the time, I would just kind of roll my eyes like, okay, Mm -hmm. here we go again. You know, he's, we always talk about this. This is all he wants to talk about. But in hindsight, looking back at what he was doing, he was really building the foundation for our family's business. And it was his way of doing market research with the people that he valued the most. So I would say that. Yeah, one thing that's really common with our family is the reason he turns to us is because he knows that his family isn't going to hold back. They, (laughs) they of course, will show you plenty of love, but they will also let you know if something is wrong or they will be your harshest (laughs) critic. So that's very common in our family. Yeah, that's great that you have that open communication um, and that he goes to you guys first for those opinions. So it really sounds like a family-oriented business from the very start. Um, And when he first started, so it sounded like he did not have any food production backgrounds, um, none of that initial experience. How did he first get started? Yeah, so... For him, it was interesting because his career was as a full-time software engineer, so it was a complete pivot. Yeah. One thing it's not that, quite a physical thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he still takes a lot of his learnings from his time as a software engineer and his time mm-hmm. in the tech industry to working in in the food business because in many ways you have to scale things up you still have to launch products so he still maintains that mentality it's just a different now it's a physical product rather than a digital one and for him i think what really mattered was having the right people so one of our most important relationships in vietnam is with our fishermen We've been working with the same fishing captain for over seven years because they understand our process and what we're looking for when we're making fish sauce. So for him, it was really it was a learning curve in terms of getting into the food business, but it's it's all trial and error. Yeah. How did he know um, to go after those fishermen for a partnership when you first got started? This one, it was really I think it's really about connections. It's just he knew it's how it works in Vietnam. You kind of just know a person who knows a person. (laughs) So then, of course, it's the interesting thing about fish sauce is that you don't know the results for 12 months. Our fish sauce goes through a 12 month fermentation period. So 
it's definitely it's difficult it take it took him multiple batches before he figured out uh this is the product that he wants i remember even though he bought he bought the barrel house back in 2006 red boat didn't officially launch until 2011 and that's because he wanted to make sure that he was getting everything right so the reason why our fishermen are so important is because they probably do the most important part of making fish sauce, which is salting the anchovies immediately upon catching them. And this isn't necessarily typical, but the reason it's so important is because it makes sure that the anchovies stay preserved by the time they reach the barrel house. So this is what gives our fish sauce that deep briny flavor. And it's also a really clean flavor as well. That's great. Um, and did he know that um, he was going to by this um, space in the island of Phu Quoc. Is that where most of the um, quality fish sauce is produced in Vietnam? So Phu Quoc has definitely a long history and a long tradition of producing fish sauce. And the reason why is because it's historically been a fishing village. I know many people now are interested in Phu Quoc because of its beaches, but since its origination, it's always been a fishing village, and that's part of its DNA. And so, of, co of course, uh, Phu Quoc is an island off the coast of Vietnam, and it's located in the Gulf of Thailand. And it just so happens that off the coast, there's black anchovies that are known mm. for having a high protein content. And this high protein content in the anchovies is what makes it have that deeply rich umami flavor with the fish sauce. And of course, it's been, it, it, there's about a 200 year tradition of producing fish sauce there. So similar to how France has certain regions, uh, that's right. they call it the terroir yeah. of having certain regions that produce wines. We'd compare the same with, with our fish sauce. There's a certain terroir about Fuquoc that it produces particularly special fish sauce. And of course, because it's so close to the equator, it has that consistent tropical weather that's perfect for fermentation. That's great. Um, yeah, you're calling out so many unique elements of that land, like the consistency, the warmness, um, the high protein fish. Um, do you mind also walking us through how the red boat fish sauce making process um, comes about? Yeah. So we have a saying that making fish sauce is a very simple process, but really you'll notice the difference in quality when it comes down to the details. I mentioned yeah. that all of our fish sauce is caught off the coast of Phu Quoc in the Gulf of Thailand, mm -hmm. and that we've been working with the same fishing captain for over seven years. So. Uh, that fishing crew will go out, they go out particularly at night because anchovies are caught by light rather than any type of bait. And so they'll go out at night, they'll attract anchovies using light boats, and then they'll um, they'll surround it with a net. But as soon as, as catching the anchovies, um, they salt them immediately, and this is what preserves that flavor. They bring mm -hmm. the anchovies back to the barrel house, and we let the, we let the anchovies ferment for about 12 months. Gotcha. Yeah. Even though you're saying it's like, oh, it's a one, two, three simple process, but it's about the technical know-how of like where to go, the speed of salting the fish. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. It does sound like there's quite a lot of mini steps, a lot of those major steps. Mm -hmm. And then our fish sauce is fermented for 12 months 
And with our most popular product, which is the 40N, um, what that is is really the first extraction of the fish sauce from the barrels, which is also often called first press. Uh, and this oh. is often regarded as the highest qual or the highest grade of fish sauce, similar to with olive oil. They have extra virgin olive oil. Yeah. Tiff, did you want to talk to Linda about our dad is very particular even about the salt that he uses in the fish sauce making process? Yeah. So because we only use two ingredients, uh, anchovies and sea salt, he's very particular about the sea salt that he uses. He gets it from um, a special region of Vietnam that's known for producing high quality salt. And wow. it even comes down to the grain size that he that he uses for the sea salt. And the reason that's important is because if you're using too small of a grain size, it ends up creating the making the fish sauce too salty. Um, so he makes sure to get uh, coarse grain salt that still absorbs a lot of the liquids that's coming from the anchovies, but still not enough to overly salt the fish sauce. Wow. How did he... Um... I guess with his attention to detail, and I think maybe that's coming from his tech background, it sounds like he tested and looked into every factor of this process. Exactly. It's, that's why he always tells us, he says, making fish sauce is easy, but making really good fish sauce is difficult. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, and how do you taste for quality in a fish sauce? I know there's, of course, the umami-ness of it, but if you could, I guess, like walk us through like the finer details of like when you're tasting the sauce coming from your barrels, how do you know if it's good or not? Yeah, so for us, we judge based on multiple factors. We base off of taste aroma, color, and viscosity. Uh, of course, taste is the easiest one, but even for people who want to try at home, we suggest doing a side-by-side -side comparison with other types of fish sauce. I know people might not want to hear this, but we usually tell people just try it straight. Um, that's really how you notice all the different nuances of fish sauce. But of course, you can always try it with a cucumber too, just to mellow out the flavor. But in terms of taste, we always say that with a high quality fish sauce, you might notice the salt and the brininess with the fish sauce, mm -hmm. but you'll notice there's a complexity to it too. So after tasting it, you'll of course have the salt, but you should be left with a savoriness, but also there's a sweetness at the back end too. So a high quality fish sauce should have that complexity to it rather than being flat. And then yeah. when it comes to when it comes to aroma, like I mentioned, it's that briny flavor. There should be a depth to it. And then with color, some people might notice that our fish sauce is more of a of a dark amber rather than a lighter color. And we attribute that to it being first pressed and not diluted with other ingredients. And then of course, lastly is viscosity. And if you notice, uh, if you end up swirling fish sauce you'll notice that some clings to the bowl a little bit more than others. And once again, that comes down to how diluted or non-diluted it is. A more viscous fish sauce is usually an indication of having a higher protein content. While if it's uh, not as viscous and it's a little bit more liquidy, that's an indication of dilution. Everybody's going to be at home now swirling their fish sauce. I around. know. <laughs> I'm going to put it in my wine glass <laughs> because the way you talk about it has such parallels. 
Um, but it totally makes sense. And I'll be like, this is my new favorite funky wine, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the um, other uh, Red Boat products you guys currently sell other than fish sauce? Besides the fish sauce, we also have Red Boat salt. And mm-hmm. last year we... We Especially team- with your expertise in salt, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And it's a product that not a lot of people know about yet. And to kind of introduce that product, um, we teamed up with two chefs last year, uh, Chef Stuart Brioza and Chef Bryant Ng. And we actually released a line of salt rubs. It was called the Community Salt Series. And we partnered up with both of these chefs because they've been longtime supporters of Red Boat since day one. And we really Mm. just wanted to show our appreciation for them as individuals and chefs Uh, but if you haven't tried the salt rubs yet that are they're awesome chef stewart he came up with uh spice garam salt it has Mm -hmm. a lot of citrus notes and it's perfect for chicken and fish and chef bryant he actually uh he gave us a recipe that he's been developing over the last over five years at his restaurant down in santa monica um, that he uses for steaks so yeah that's great um, are these limited time products or uh, will these be permanently featured in the store? They are limited time. It's basically when they run out, they're going to be out. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So <laughs> if you haven't so gotten one them. yet, you should yeah, pick it up. Yeah, hot. exactly. Will you be partnering up with other chefs in the future? Yeah, definitely. Doing chef collaborations is something that we really enjoy doing um, and when the opportunities present themselves, we always, you know, decide to run with it. I think yeah. the other thing that we really enjoy about our community salt series too, we make sure that it's something that it's not only a way to highlight and show our appreciation for chefs, but we wanted to add another aspect to it. So 10% of the proceeds of um, each jar that's sold ends up going to the charity of choice for, for the chef. So for Stuart Brioza, he chose Zero Food Print. And for Bryant, he chose uh, Much Love Animal Rescue down in Santa Monica. That's great. I love the stories behind um, the salts. Uh, What other products do you guys have? Actually, so we have an exciting announcement. We have a new product coming out this month, and that is our concentrated nook jam. And for Mm. those who aren't as familiar with nook jam, the literal translation is dipping sauce and Mm. it's a very common and versatile ingredient or condiment that you'll find in vietnamese cuisine you can pour it over your boon your noodles um over over your gum tam which is broken rice plates um you can even dip your your egg rolls in it so it's very versatile and for the listeners that haven't had it before can you describe the taste yes a good nook jam is pretty complex actually so it should be salty sweet sour and with a little bit of heat at the end yeah it sounds like something where you pour it on and you'll just eat more of whatever that dish is yeah exactly you could even (laughs) use it as a a dressing for salad you know you could you could dip anything into it (laughs) i see and how did you guys decide on this particular product to develop our dad always wanted a convenient way for people to have nook mam or fish sauce. 
you know, if you think of the little soy sauce packets that you get at takeout restaurants, he right. wanted he wanted something similar for for fish sauce. And when we hired our R and D chef Diep Tran, it was early last year in 2019. One of the first ideas that she pitched to us was this concept of an instant nook jam, mm-hmm. and. Nukjam, it's a deceptively simple recipe because it doesn't. It actually doesn't take that long to make, and it's only made of six ingredients. But it's important that you have the perfect balance and the right ratios of all of those ingredients. And because fish sauce is such a big component of nukjam, it just it it seemed only natural that that would be our next big product. And I'm actually the perfect example of someone who needs instant nukjam. In their life, because <laughs> I have always depended on my mom or my aunt to make nukjam for me. I mm-hmm. never—it's kind of embarrassing—but I actually never made my own nukjam until a few months ago. And I'm also just a super busy person. I, you know, I'm working at Redboat, but I also run a jujitsu school uh, wow. on the side. And so I, That's at the incredible. end of the day, yeah. I get home super late. I just need something quick, but I also don't want to sacrifice, you know, quality for that. So, yeah, I as soon as I heard of the idea, I'm like, let's do it. We're gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. You're like, I need this in my life right now. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, that's great. And when will you be officially launching it? When we when can we start buying it? Where can we start buying it? So we are officially launching it in August. Um, you can find it. Online for sure at our website redboatfishsauce.com,、mm-hmm. and we will also have some grocery stores in California that will be stocking it. So there's a few locations down in Southern California.、Um, Tiffany, do you remember the name of the? It's like the Wind Fat. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So and we plan on being in a lot more. So, but you can definitely find it on our website. We'll do. We'll definitely go check it out. All right, we're gonna take a really quick break, and we'll be right back with more feast meets west. I'm Lisa Held, a food journalist and podcast host, presenting Behind the Label with American Humane. Produced by Heritage Radio Network for Springer Mountain Farms, this podcast series dives into what the American Humane Certified Label really means. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Feast Meets West.、Um, we're talking to Tracy and Tiffany from Redboat.、Um, so, ladies. How did you both decide to work on the family business? Okay, I'll answer this one. It's Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because ever since my dad started Redboat, it's been his dream to have all three of his kids. Oh, and we didn't mention this yet, but we have a brother. There's a third. <laughs> he's, the, he's yes. There's a third. He's in the middle. Um, he just he doesn't like being in a public facing role, so Tiffany and I will speak for him. But it it was always my dad's dream to have all three of us working alongside of him someday. But、yeah. being younger, you know, you want to be independent and just、mm-hmm. forge your own path. 
And so that was probably the last thing on my mind. You know, I wanted to graduate college and then I found my way into the tech space, funny enough, just like my mm-hmm. dad. <laughs> and I was working there for for about eight years and I landed this big job at Salesforce, which I thought was going to be my dream job because Salesforce was known for being a great company to work for. Mm -hmm. It was in the city. I was like, okay, I can finally be, you know, one of those techies walking around in the city, like super fast with my Pete's coffee. And, uh, (laughs) and it just, I got there for a few months. It wasn't what I expected. And Mm -hmm. Tiffany and I would always be messaging each other throughout the workday. And we'd call each other when we were commuting home and, at first, I was kind of half joking when I said, hey, you know, what do you think about finally going to work for the family business? And she didn't, I don't think she took me seriously at all. Um, but I was very persistent and the conversations got more serious as time went on. Mm-hmm. And I think I finally, it took some time, but I finally came to that realization like, hey, you know, dad, he started something really special and yeah. he's he's getting older. He probably needs our help. Um, he's gotten it to this point where it's it's pretty big. You know, you can find Redboat nationally mm-hmm. in a lot of mainstream grocery stores. And so for me, that was that was kind of the turning point was just coming to that realization that, hey, why don't why don't we give this a shot um, and and see what it's like working, working at the family business? What about um, you, Tiffany? For me, so Tracy and I are pretty, I'd say we're pretty similar since Tracy's the older sister. There's definitely times that I turn to her for guidance, but we, we followed a very similar path. I studied environmental science at UC Davis, but it's funny because like Tracy mentioned, it's been almost ingrained in us. It's just, he'd always ask us questions about like, oh, when are you going to start working for Redboat? <laughs> like any when... chance he got? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one example is while I was studying environmental science, he'd ask me, he's like, oh, would you consider switching to food science so you can use that as your background when you right. come work at Redboat? <laughs> so it was almost like every life decision was almost questioned with an undertone of being like, okay, but how will this help you when you come work at Redboat? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love his and, determinism. Exactly. So we, Tracy and my dad have that very similar where they're both pretty persistent and headstrong. So the, um, what ended up happening, I started my career in sustainability at Sacramento International Airport. And that's usually when Tracy and I would message each other. Mm-hmm. And so here I was, same as similar feelings as Tracy, where I was thinking like, okay, here's the career that I wanted to pursue. Here's something that I thought would provide me fulfillment and satisfaction, but we were feeling the same way just in terms of that. It wasn't, it wasn't really doing what we wanted it to do. So Mm -hmm. uh, Tracy, while she was messaging me just about every day, asking, saying like, oh, are you going to do it? Do you want to come work at Redboat with me? Should we do this? That's when I had to tell her I needed a break. (laughs) I told her, I said, give me, give me two to three weeks to think it over and then Mm -hmm. we can and then I I can get back to you and then of course I said yes and um, we just (laughs) we haven't we haven't looked back since but it was it was pretty dramatic we both like okay we're gonna quit our jobs on this day and so there was this big build-up to it (laughs) yeah and how did that announcement go with dad like did he have an inkling of what was coming the good news 
I can't remember. Do you remember too? I don't think so. Well, no. It, the once again, what's very common with our family, they <laughs> he will not show very outward um, affection, but it showed in different <laughs> ways. But in that sense, I'm I'm sure he was a. Uh, he was in his mind. He was jumping for joy, but yeah, um, yeah, it wasn't I'm until sure. later. Yeah, it was. It was interesting because we've we've had some discussions, and that's when he really told. Like that's when he told us it was his entire idea to set this up, um, just so that it would become a family business. So, um, in that sense, he definitely that was one of his uh, his dreams and his life goals was to have all three of his kids working at Red Boat. Yeah. Wow. Um, and what role does your brother play? So our brother, Kevin Pham, he works on the production line. So while Tracy and I are doing more office work, he's the one who's actually manage- managing our bottling line in Hayward. Um, so it's interesting because in 2017 is when we acquired the space to start bottling in the United States for our fish saws. And even though we purchased it there, they don't really tell you how to run your machine. So (laughs) Kevin was actually the first one who started working at Red Boat. Yeah. He started working. He he actually worked around 2013, 2014 is when he started. So he was there almost from the very beginning. We'd call we call him the the OG. But, um, <laughs> he was the one that was really important because he helped set up the machine. He went through all the ups and downs of figuring out how it worked. And it was really it's interesting because of how similar it is to my dad, where it was just a lot of trial and error to figure it out. They just it felt like they gave you the machine. They didn't really tell you how to run it or how to maintain it. And he had to figure everything out himself. Wow. You guys are just a family of problem solvers. <laughs> Nothing can stop you. Um, and uh, what was the year that you guys um, started working on Red Boat again? 2018. Nice. July 15th, so right, been... Tiff? <laughs> yep, July wow. 15th was our first day. Oh, congratulations on your two-year anniversary there. But of course, you. you know, a lifetime um, beyond that, of course. <laughs> um, what are some major milestones for the two of you since working on the business? For us, I think a big one was surprisingly getting into Costco. I think for us, I know something that's important for both Tracy and I is seeing representation of Vietnamese products in mainstream markets. The way that we view it is just when when we were walking down the grocery stores when you know when we were growing up, we didn't really identify with any of the products that were there. Um and so being able to get into Costco and just seeing more more and more that mainstream grocery stores are accurately reflecting the American demographic. Um right. that was something that meant a lot to us. Um and of course one milestone that's coming up that's um that we still are pretty excited about that's yet to happen is next year is Red Boat's 10-year anniversary. Uh we Red Boat was launched in 2011, so next year mm-hmm. in 2021 is going to be 10 years. That's so cool. Um do you guys have any special projects or you know events uh, if we can do in-person events planned? <laughs> Um, for that celebration? We do. 
And I'm not sure we're allowed to talk about it yet, but、I、we、see. do have、okay. something very exciting that's getting released next year. Oh, cool.、Um, I'm sure people can take their guesses, you know, us being a food company.、Um, <laughs> but kind of going back to, you know, your question about milestones, for me,、yeah. it wasn't a big milestone, I believe, is us. Realizing how to work together because you know, even though we're family and we're very comfortable with each other, being in a work、mm-hmm. environment is pretty different. And I don't have a specific date on when we, you know, successfully <laughs> learned each other's working styles, but、mm. I feel like when when that time came, it just everything, you know, we're kind of in lockstep now. We can tell each other jokes and, you know, just keep it light, but also, you know, focus at the same time. So that was a big milestone for me. Yeah, was it surprising、um, learning how to work together as sisters and also with dad? Like, were there certain you know, characteristics that came out that you had never seen before?、Um, I wouldn't say that there weren't any characteristics that we've never seen before growing up together.、Yeah. But actually, I have a good story. So, the first few months of Tiffany and I coming on board. I don't know if Tiffany felt this way, but for me, I just came in guns blazing, like, okay, we're gonna fix this and that, and you know, this is gonna be so much better now.、Yeah. And coming from my numbers background, I looked at our inventory process. I'm like, this, this has gotta go. Like, we gotta, we gotta get up to date. So I did a bunch of research on inventory management applications. I found the right one. The name was, it's, it lives on to this day. It's called Fishbowl. And you know, I got the team's buy in. I talked to Tony, who manages our warehouse and our, and our inventory. I got his buy off. I had him sit in some sales meetings with me with、uh, sales reps from Fishbowl. And he was like, Yeah, this is great. You know, this is, this is going to make our lives a lot easier. And so came the big day where I had to pitch the idea to my dad. And I thought、mm-hmm. I had all my ducks in a row. Like, <laughs> I had Tony's buy off. And I'm the oldest daughter. He's not going to say no to me. <laughs> and so I felt like it almost felt like I was in an episode of Shark Tank. Like I came in with so、uh-huh. much confidence. And、yeah. I just, he hit me with really hard questions, right? And I, I find myself flailing. And I'm like, oh no, this is not, <laughs> this is not how I expected the conversation to、right. go. And I'm looking at Tony, because I brought him into the meeting too for backup. And I'm looking、mm-hmm. at Tony to save me, like, hey, throw me a lifeline here, back me up. But he、mm-hmm. completely does a 180 on me. He's like, you know what, Kwong, I think, I think you're right. He's like, I don't think we need this. <laughs> and it was funny because I'm like, you know what? Too much confidence. I, all those times that we were gone in college and doing our own thing, dad had a fourth child. That child's name was Redboat. And, <laughs> you know, he's not going to be playing any kind of favorites, but it, it kind of lives on to this day. If we ever have to make a big pitch to my dad or pitch him a new idea, we say, okay, let's not make this、uh, a fishbowl 2.0. Let's try to avoid <laughs> See, that. <laughs> wow. That's like an event that's now cemented in Redboat history. It is. <laughs> that's really great, though.、Um, and During this time that we're living in now,、um, have you had to adjust your brand and marketing or production at all just for COVID? Or has that been、um, not as noticeable because folks are just cooking more at home? Of course, we had to adjust our production.、Right. I mean, our, 
our first and our main concern was really keeping our employees safe. In Hayward, we have uh, 11 employees, including all of us. And in many ways, it's like it's almost an extension of our family in a sense because they're all they're we're all really close to each other. So um, first priority was keeping everyone safe, um, but at the same time, being an essential business and providing food to grocery stores, we we tried to implement new sanitation practices in a sense. Mm-hmm. So. Of course, we're sanitizing a lot more, wearing masks, and then also social distancing. But um, other than that, we've been in a good place, mostly because we have control over not only our facility in Vietnam, but also the United States, um, because we have control of our supply chain and we're not relying Mm. on third parties for manufacturing our fish sauce. We've been lucky in the sense that we can we can adjust to any demands right. and fluctuations. Right. Um, but that's really what's important to us is making sure that us having control over our process allows mm-hmm. us to, allows us to have these high quality standards for our products. And then, of course, when it comes to brand and marketing, we've we've always really marketed towards home cooking. Right. Um, and our R&D chef, Deep Tran, she has some really great recipes that, that we've come out with. Um, but it's just during COVID, we've been leaning into that a little bit more. Um, we like to emphasize with so much uncertainty, a little bit more on comfort foods. That's great. What are some of your favorite dishes to make with Red Boat right now? I really enjoy Tit Ka Chung. It's uh, a dish that my mom always made for us growing up. It's just very comforting. And it's basically pork belly cut into mm-hmm. big cubes and you braise it. It's very simple too. You braise it with fish sauce and coconut soda um, and you just let it simmer for over an hour and it gets really nice and soft and you put some hard boiled eggs in there and you just eat it over a bowl of rice. And it just it just brings me back to when I was a kid. So that's yeah, that's my favorite dish to cook right now. For sure. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tiff? For me, I think probably one of my, it was almost like revisiting one of our dishes because uh, one of my favorite dishes has to be gari right now, which is a Vietnamese curry. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because growing up, it was something that I was never particularly fond of. And my mom, being a great mom, said that, okay, I won't make this as much anymore because because I know that you don't like it. Um, but recently, we've asked her to revisit the recipe and, and just try it again. And it was really sweet because at first she was, she was a little bit shy about it. Like she didn't want to, to make it together because she remembers my comments about it about it not being my favorite, but that's been something that's really great because just because it has that coconut milk in it, so it has that sweetness, it has uh, Japanese sweet potatoes in it, and then also contributing to that sweetness while it's also being balanced out with our fish sauce. But I think that one is really great, just being able to kind of go back to recipes that we I may not have appreciated growing up and then now being able to enjoy them, especially with, with our family. That's great. So outside of fish sauce, of course, which is number one in your pantry, what are some other Asian sauces or condiments you can't live without? And especially in this time, 
you know, of comfort food and a need for options for home cooking, what do you like to have stocked in your pantry at home? I always have coconut soda on hand because, as I mentioned, Thit Kha Chung is one of my favorite yeah, you dishes. Need it for that. I need it. <laughs> and I also have sriracha, of course, and tapioca starch. Um, I really enjoy making this Vietnamese dessert called Ben Ba, and it's like a honeycomb cake. And so it's, it's almost like our version of uh, a mochi cake when you say Tiff. Yeah. Yeah. So always got to have those on hand. <laughs> And then for me, um, one of the more recent things that I've stocked in my pantry that now is, is a must is uh, Fly by Jing, their Sichuan Chili Crisp. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's something that's really, that's really changed my pantry, just the fact that it adds so much. It, it has the similar sense with Red Boat, where it's like it has that deep umami flavor, but then with them, they kick it up a notch with, um, with that spice to it. So that's something that's particularly great. And then, of course, when it comes to the classic... I have to have a uh, oyster sauce whenever I'm doing stir fries. <laughs> yeah, it's all about that umami flavor. Exactly. So outside of work, um, well, of course, both of you are so busy with Red Boat and managing the family business. But outside of work, what's keeping you sane in these insa- insane times, especially as we have to, you know, quarantine more at home and not travel as much, unfortunately. Pre-COVID, I was an avid jiu-jitsu competitor. I would compete probably eight to ten times in a year. Because wow. I'm, I'm just a very competitive person. <laughs> and so not having that now in during shelter-in-place and quarantine, I found another outlet to express my competitiveness, and that <laughs> is playing a video game called Overcooked where you work with I have an, heard of a, this right <laughs> you work with a friend to cook food virtually and actually a few days ago my friend and I <laughs> we placed 6th on the leader bur- leaderboard worldwide oh uh, my we're, gosh we're, yeah we're aiming we're aiming for that number 1 spot <laughs> so maybe next time next time we're on your podcast I'll have a better better update yeah, for you yeah <laughs> definitely the top score <laughs> And then for me, it, everyone is picking up different hobbies, of course, while this is going on. But my more recent one is gardening. Kind of like you were saying, Linda, it's just things have been pretty crazy recently. So picking up something like that, which allows you to slow down um, and kind of just enjoy the moment has been something that's been pretty beneficial. And the other thing is just the fact that I've been joining um, gardening Facebook groups too, which has to be ah. one of the most wholesome, one of the most wholesome <laughs> Facebook groups I've ever seen. It's difficult right now, just with so much news going on, yeah, uh, with divisiveness and just the polarity. Um, it's nice having a place where people are so supportive, and it's just the good part of the internet that I really enjoy. <laughs> right, need more of that. Um, what are you growing in your garden? I have probably four or five tomatillo plants going on i have thai basil perilla leaves and then um i of course have some a lot of tomatoes yep and it's tomato season too wow bounty um okay and then last question what are the first things you're gonna do when the city fully reopens for you I can't wait to train jiu-jitsu with like 50 people again. It's just, yeah. you know, it's such a 
it's a small community, um, so everyone knows each other, and it's mm-hmm. just I have a lot of friends. Um, all over California that train and we're so used to being able to see each other all the time and just train together so that's definitely one of the first things that I would like to do Um, and also I just want to go eat at a restaurant with a big group of friends it's just something something that we used to take for granted (laughs) right and then for me so I'd say I'm a pretty I'm a pretty low-key person pretty introverted but um I think it's one of those situations where because you 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 don't have the ability to do so, as long as everything would be safe and we have a vaccine, first thing I would do is find an extremely crowded place to go to. <laughs> just, just, I just feel like the general energy of it as well. Yeah, but I mean, human it's like, connection. Exactly. It's like large concerts, music festivals, boom, I'm doing it. <laughs> All of those. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Well, that's so great. Um, thank you, Tracy and Tiffany, for chatting with me. It was so nice to you know, have this conversation virtually, and hopefully we'll meet in person sometime soon. Yeah, thank you, Linda. Thanks, I really Linda. enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, I'm so inspired by your family story, um, how your dad just went for it, <laughs> and then also you know, in his search for quality, Um, You have this very um, amazing product that has so much integrity um, and you're also preserving these old traditions. Um, Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Linda. (laughs) All right. Talk soon. Bye. Okay. Bye. And that's it for our show. Thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in. This is our last episode of the summer. What did you think of the latest season? this mini time capsule of food conversations recorded in unexpected and extended quarantine. What would you like to hear more of? Drop us a note on our Instagram at Feast Meets West Eats or leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back soon with more conversations from the world of Asian food. Feast Meets West is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to find out more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at Facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.